KEXU 96.1 FM, uh, Pole People's Revolutionary Radio. I'm JV, and you're listening to Free Aslan. And in today's uh, news from Aslan Press, I just want to um, speak briefly about the supposed um, name change um, that went on with the Mecha National Conference um, within a week or two ago. And, you know, this is a very important news. It's very important news for the Chicano Nation, for um, for all of our people, all Raza on this side and on the other side of the false U.S. border. Because what affects one people affects the other. We're, we're all interconnected and, um, you know, we influence each other in different ways, you know. Um, we're influenced by Mexico, and the Mexico, the youth of Mexico, are also influenced by the Chicano nation as well. We see this in Chicano culture crossing the false U.S. border. We see it with people in Mexico, with lowriders, with tattoos, um, you know, listening to Chicano music. Um, you know, our Chicano culture definitely uh, influences Ch- uh, Mexicano youth. At the same time, Mexicanos influence the Chicano nation and keep keep us anchored into um, who we are as a people, as a raza. So we influence each other in a very positive way uh, on both sides of the false U.S. border. So, you know, this recent change, Mecha voted um, nationally in uh, colleges, universities across the U.S., uh, across these United Snakes to change the name of Mecha and to drop Chicano and Aslan. So, you know, what this is, is um, some have said that they want to call it a uh, MEPA, you know, Movimiento Estudiantil, um, Progressives for Advocacy, or some BS like that. You know, and, and, you know, in my opinion and in many of the opinions of those within the Chicano Nation, um, this is basically a vendido move, a sellout move. It's, um, you know, it's, uh, it's Mecha being infiltrated by um, those who are anti-Chicano. And the thing is, uh, many who voted are, you know, attempting to slander the Chicano movement of yesterday and say that the Chicano movement, um, you know, was uh, anti this and anti that. Well, we say that uh, those who voted to change the name are anti-Chicano. And so, you know, this is a bad thing. It's very bad for our youth. Chicana, Chicano youth to go into the universities as it is. These universities are temples of multiculturalism. They're temples of um, postmodernism. These are temples that, you know, teach people uh, that everybody's right and that everybody um, should listen to everybody and that nobody's in the wrong. And, you know, and they, they disguise this under a liberal blanket. And, you know, and they want our youth and the Chicano Nation um, to, to adopt um, these ridiculous uh, concepts and ridiculous forms of uh, political line that we are not going to ever adopt. And, um, you know, some universities have stood strong. And I will give props to UCLA. You know, UCLA voted no, we're staying with Mecha. 
And, you know, we have to give a big applause to that because they're deeply rooted in the Chicano Nation. You know, um, Los Angeles has uh, probably the highest concentration of Chicano people um, anywhere in the world, you know, per capita. So, you know, they're very, very deeply rooted in the Chicano Nation. They know what the Chicano Nation is. They know who they are. They know what their cultura is. And, um, and, and at this point... You know, you know, we can say that um, UCLA is leading the way when it comes to universities because all these other universities, many of them, I think San Diego abstained from voting uh, to change the name. But, um, you know, at this point, UCLA has taken the lead in, uh, you know, in, 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 in pushing the youth forward deeper into the Chicano movement, not running away from it. You know, they're not trying to be accepted by any other uh, nation even if it is another uh, oppressed nation, they know who they are and they work in unity with other nations. But um, they're not, you know, they're, they are not um, abandoning their, their national uh, interests. And we do have national interests. We have united fronts with other oppressed nations. But um, at the end of the day, we do have a national interest and we do have a Chicano nation. And this is the land that we are fighting and struggling for to liberate at some time. And, you know, and, and so this move by uh, the national, so-called National Conference of Mecha, in my opinion, was a bad move. Um, it's basically going, uh, attempting to, um, you know, to divert the Chicano nation from uh, the path of national liberation and attempting to steer them into... Um, fighting for quote-unquote progress and um, with really no uh, national territory involved. And at, at the end of any national liberation struggle, it's all about land. And we do have a land base, and, you know, um, and so that's what, it, that's what it's about. So we have to be careful, you know, some of these youth movements and youth groups, you know, of course they're very inclusive. Of course they welcome all rasa. Of course they do that. At the same time, uh, welcoming other rasa is not done in order for other rasa to come in and vote out our own national interests. You know, we're not opening the door uh, working with people to allow Trojan horses to come in. We're working with people because we have a common enemy, um, U.S. imperialism, capitalism, and the oppressor nation. You know, um, you know, and, and, and so, you know, this is our interest. We have common enemy, and so we work together in order to help each other to fight this common enemy. We don't work with anybody, no matter who they are, what nation they're from, in order for them to come in and divert our national interests and undermine our movement. We're not going to do that, and we will not do that. So this uh, move by um, the National Conference of Mecha, once again, it's condemned um, from those I've talked to, um, you know, within the Chicano Nation. How are you going to uh, how are you going to change a name of a, a student movement, uh, the Chicano student movement of Aslan? How are you going to do that and claim that um, you're doing it to be more inclusive? You know, that reminds me of Donald Trump talking about he wants to build a wall in order to be. That's like him saying he wants to build a wall to be more inclusive. You know, it's ridiculous. 
So you know, um, you know the the Mepa people, you know they need to, um, you know, in my opinion, go to a re-education camp, and we need to get back on the road of Mecha and continue on the path to Aslan, and uh, and so that's it on today's news uh, clip from Aslan Press. Um, that's very pressing news. We want to follow. We want to encourage our youth who are in the universities to struggle against this. This is a, 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 a two-line struggle. Uh, you know, it's a political, uh, ideolo ideological struggle. And on the one hand, you have the Chicano nation, and then on the other, you have those who are anti-Chicano. And so they need to struggle, and they need to um, work that out within the university campuses. And, um, and with that being said, let me go on to my special guest, I have, uh, you know, real special guest, uh, Brother Al from the Oakland uh, Brown Berets National Organization. Uh, welcome to Free Aslan, Al. Gracias, Carnal. It's, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. I enjoyed what you said about Mecha. Absolutely, brother. It's a, it's, a, it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy what's happening, and I'm glad that there's still universities, you know, UCLA, San Diego State, um, you know, that they are holding the line, and, and it is a line. They're holding the line, and, you know, other universities, I think it was started by um, Portland, Oregon University or something, but it, it's just, it's, it's, it's sad, and it, it shows that these students are not conscious. They're not, you know, and, and they've been, you know, they've succumbed to... Um, you know, just a terrible political ideology, and hopefully the more conscious Chicano students um, will prevail in this struggle and get it back to Mecha. And Mepa, to me, sounds like they want to vote Democrat, you know, the Democrat Absolutely. Party, that's what it sounds like to me. It, it, it does, yeah. it does, and I think it is, you know, and, you know, this isn't the first time that political um, people or political groups have infiltrated other sure, organizations sure. in order to undermine and to destroy them from within. So this could very well be a democratic move, you know, and, you know, we need to go past Democrat or Republican. We need national liberation. We need our own political parties uh, from the oppressed nations. We need a Chicano political party. We need a an African, new, new, you know, political party we need a first nations political party and you know it's kind of hard to build a p political party under u.s imperialism under capitalism mm -hmm. because uh, once we start getting strong enough they're going to destroy it right sure. yeah. and and, yeah. and and so we're wasting our we're spinning our wheels and so you know at the end of the day we probably won't have a political party until um somewhere around civil war you know and, and around that period before or after that's probably when our political party will come to surface and i'm sure before then we'll have underground political parties you know and you know and all the cadre organizations uh will come to the front lines as well and um you know but but anyway let me get to this uh interview because this is very important you know i've been wanting to get you on for a while finally got you on and you know, um, and we'll do it again. You know, with 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 more of the group. But for now, I just go to you, um, and I'll ask the first question. You know, um, why was the Oakland Brown Berets created? 
Uh, originally, I, I'm actually more familiar with East LA, but it's basically the same things. Uh, profiling, police brutality, something which young Chicanos experienced on a regular basis. Uh, in the schools, there was nothing about us. There was nothing for our future. Uh, high rates of unemployment when we got out. And then there was a war, a war going on where, uh, f first of all, it was waged against, it was an imperial war that our troops, our Chicano young people were dying disproportionately to be fighting a war we shouldn't have been involved in anyway. Mm. So we, uh, young people began to to gather in, in East LA. It was actually something the mayor had started and uh, David Sanchez was uh, something called Young Chicanos for Leadership. I can't remember the exact words. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they saw what the Panthers doing, and they began wearing berets. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they would, people would say, oh, those guys with the brown berets. And so that's what they decided to call themselves. And, I, and I'd like to point out that um, they were, sin, uh, you know how they say sin, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery yes uh now they weren't imitating uh the panthers but they liked what they did the panthers were very involved in getting the berets set up uh, in la for example bunchy carter who i believe he he started the socal chapter mm -hmm. uh, of the black panther party he was the one who was directly there working with the berets setting up uh, their free breakfast program helping mm -hmm. them get their free clinic going and so forth and I believe it was similar up here in Oakland because it was around the same time. I, I don't know if they were like a, a, what chapter they were because there was kind of a statewide Brown Beret movement, but there was a lot of different chapters. You know, right. that, that part I'm not really positive about, about how Oakland worked, but basically it was young Chicanos wanting uh, self-determination. Mm. Beautiful, yeah. Self-determination, that's, that's what it's about at the end of the day. So, you know, very, very important. But, um, and, you know, when it comes to Oakland, you know, Oakland, I guess every city has, you know, different strengths and challenges, you know, different obstacles, different, mm -hmm. you know, there's different population and slightly different cultures, you know. Sure. If we go to Portland, Oregon, it's probably a little different than Frisco, and then we go from Frisco to... Arizona, you know, every place is a little bit different, right? You know, unique to the population. You know, Oakland, you know, has its 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 uniqueness as well. And um, you know, but I wanted to ask you, um, what is the vision of uh, for organizing Rasa in Oakland? What I would like to see us do, and we're a new chapter. I'm I'm actually with the National Brown Berets. We're we're statewide and in a couple other states, uh, in Oregon and Arizona. And I recently got an Oakland unit started here in uh, tail end of December. So oh. it's a, just a small group of young people. There's only four of us in our particular unit right mm -hmm. now. Uh, what I'd really like to do is, uh, one thing to, for me, the vision is I would like to uh, be a bridge from the OG Oakland Brown Berets. We've reached mm -hmm. out to a few of them, uh, Mario Ortiz and a couple other people who were hoping to have them at upcoming meetings mm. uh, to let us know what they did, what they would like, what they would like to see us do, 
any mistakes or things they would have liked to have done different and their blessing too so we can kind of have a legacy so we can be not a resumption or not something different but really a continuation of Mm -hmm. the OG Oakland Mm -hmm. Oakland Brown Berets here Beautiful. The the other thing I'd like to do I I, I know we we don't got all night but uh, Mm -hmm. I would like to say that at the time uh, when the Berets started any organization is comprised of people who have their strengths and weaknesses. Uh, misogyny, homophobia, those things were very rampant in people, and a lot of our young people, and that continued there. And I would like to see us correct those type of mistakes. Mm. So I, th- I would say that's my vision mm. for, for, for the Oakland unit of the National Brown Berets. Beautiful. Beautiful. And, you know, and I'm sure that the, the original members from the Oakland Brown Braves, I'm sure that um, once they reconnect, mm-hmm. that, oh, it's going to be a powerful thing. I can just imagine. It's like, great. Yeah, yeah. and, yeah. You, you know, everybody learns from each other. You know, yeah. you learn from them, they learn from you guys because you guys are down, you know, on the streets today. Yeah. So you know the current conditions, you know, and they can help with past prior conditions. Mm-hmm. And it's just a win-win for everybody. And most importantly, it'll be a win-win for the Chicano Nation. Sure. You know, I mean, we as a whole will, you know, every time there's a new, uh, in my opinion, a new beret unit, um, it just gets us closer. And, and the larger that unit becomes, it pushes us even closer, you know. And, you know, and hopefully, you know, at some point we'll have, you know, uh, revolutionary units throughout Aslan in every state, every city, and, you know, that's when we're going to start seeing real changes for our people, for Raza, um, in these false U.S. borders, but, you know, let me, let me go on to this, um, I want to, you know, because there's questions when it comes to Brown Berets, there's questions of, you know, some units are national organization, and some are autonomous organizations, and they're all Brown Berets, and, you know, everybody's brothers and sisters, and, you know, when the time comes, everybody comes together and works when they have to. But, you know, there is a slight difference. And for our listeners, um, because I've had other people and they've been from different Brown Beret units. Mm, uh-huh. And so just for the listeners, if you could just touch briefly uh, and share, you know, why are, the, um, why are the Oakland Brown Berets or... You know why is this a national organization rather than an autonomous? What you know really? What's the difference? I guess I'm trying to sure, ask. Sure, sure. Um, the the first when, when the berets were a, a statewide unit back. Oh man, uh, we we started up again. I believe the uh, the early nineties. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Watsonville broke off. There was mm-hmm. some disagreement with what the. Uh, was being done as a whole and so they broke off when autonomous decided to work strictly as their local group they're concerned with their watsonville issues uh, i'm not singling them out and it's not a bad thing at all it was, right. a, it was a good thing and it was actually in response to something that was done wrong at the top and was handled mm-hmm. uh, a couple other units went autonomous as well uh, Probably the, the main difference is w- when you're with, uh, for us, the National Brown Berets, and there's also Brown Berets National Organization, or their uh, 
uh, one national commander mm. and uh, what would you call it, the, the ministers, mm-hmm. minister of defense, ministers of uh, education, and so forth. A rank and file, right? Right, right. And then there's rank and file of the soldados. Okay. And there's things where we, um, um, there might be disagreements thinking we, th- they want to be more concerned with the local issues, so they'll go autonomous and break off. Mm-hmm. Or at times they've just started an autonomous group, got together, says we're Brown Berets, and uh, set their own rules and uh, and ideas. Mm. Okay. So yeah, it's it's just basically the national organization is more. Um, they go throughout these false U.S. borders, mm-hmm. right, state mm-hmm. to state. Right. They're right. like one organization, right? Right. And then the autonomous units are simply um, they operate within themselves and then just focus on their local issues not um, formally connected to any other. Okay, that's, that's fine. It. That's and, it, exactly. Yeah, and, you know, there's different reasons. So, But that's just an understanding, um, you know, there's different. And then there's even other organizations I heard of, um, you know, uh, they, there's the Brown Braves of Semenawak, yeah. and that's a whole other thing. So there's just so many different. The beautiful thing that I like is um, that all these units are berets and you know, and the thing is, when the time comes, you know, if these groups are organized in, in you know, in a, a militant fashion, that when the time comes, that they will be ready to rock and roll, right? Orale, orale, and and yeah. that's it. You know, they, you know, they're they're trained, they're ready, and everybody's ready to serve the people uh, throughout Aslan. That's most important. But let me ask. I always ask this question to. Rasa who come in here, um, and I and I always ask, um, what what does Aslan mean to you? Yeah, that's a real good question, especially the way you state. You know, what does it mean to to me? You know, right. not uh, be, because there, it's not like you look it up in the dictionary and it says, well, yes, Aslan is uh, in Oxnard, uh, the eighty freeway crosses it or something. That's it's really yeah. to me like a vision. We. Uh, my uh, understanding what the word itself means, I think place of herons or something like that, uh, the homeland of the Mexica people. Mm. And it's, it was somewhere north of Tenochtitlan, but it, we don't know if it was in what is now known as Mexico. Some of us think of that as the U.S. But in, in so many ways, when Chicanos here refer to Aslan, it, it's like a unifying word. Uh, I understand some some of the native tribes would think, well, no, don't claim this as Aslan because we're Tonghua, we're Olone, we're Kumeyaay, and so forth. I totally get it, but I like the idea in our head of a homeland that unites indigenous people. Uh, you know, to Chicanos, it means a lot. Uh, uh, I, I personally like to acknowledge that I'm on Olone land right now, and I I thank the Olone people for allowing us to be here. Um, but, but one thing that, you know, the most of the tribes in the, in the Southwest and much of Mexico spoke the Uro-Aztecan languages or the Hokan languages. So in a sense, we are all spoke uh, derivations or whatever the right word is of a couple, maybe one or two languages. So in a sense, there is that between 
all of us Native people. So to me, that's what Aslan means. It's uh, the love and connection with all indigenous peoples mm. of this area. Mm, beautiful. And I've had this conversation with, um, you know, other indigenous peoples as well. And, you know, the way, I mean, you know, I think our ancestors, and like you said, everybody see has a different, you know, um, idea in some cases. I, I think our ancestors may have seen the region as Aslan just as, you know, na uh, First Nations people see this entire continent as Turtle Island. Uh, yeah, now, yeah. when they say Turtle Island, me and nobody else says, who are you to call this continent Turtle Island when there's all kinds of nation? You're erasing the Apache, you're erasing the Huichol, you're erasing the Mexica, you're erasing all of them. Who gave you, who are you to name our land uh, Turtle Island? Nobody says that. Right. And yeah, for the same yeah. reason, because they're saying it as an act of love and unity. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, for yeah. that reason, I am also saying as an act of love and unity, this was Aslan. And, you know, it was Aslan um, just as, um, you know, some native ancestors called the continent Turtle Island. Well, my ancestors called this region Aslan. And they did recognize that there was other people and other nations within. But I believe that they recognized this region as Aslan. So it doesn't take nothing away from any of the First Nations. It actually promotes love and unity just as they promote love and unity with the Turtle Island concept. So, and it's in our codexes. This is not something new that we made up. Mm -hmm. We have identifiable proof um, that we did come from Aslan and that it was north of Tenochtitlan. So, you know, this is not like, um, you know, um, we have an unequivocal proof that there was an Aslan. Now, you know, like you said, the general area, we don't know. But I like to see it as... Uh, the way our ancestors saw it back then and in the future I believe it will once again be Aslan and once again it will be to unite all the native peoples um, in love and unity just as it was before because they're even finding a Mexica um, you know remnants of the Mexica as far um, east as the Mississippi you know, they got pyramids in Mississippi. They got, they're finding Mexica art and culture in Michigan. Yeah, yeah. You know, so our concept of Aslan may be even bigger than just the Southwest. It might go all the way up to Michigan. It might go all the way f from the east from Mississippi all the way to California. So, you know, um, you know, this is, we have to rethink what Aslan means. And then, you know, we have the modern Chicano um, ideology and some Chicano nation who believe that, you know, Aslan is the national territory for the Chicano nation because it's where our people have been anchored for generations and hundreds of years. And this is where we continue to have the largest concentration of Chicano people. And so for that reason that um, this is the Chicano national territory as well. And, and I, I agree more with that. Um, that sounds more more to my liking that I, you know, I do believe that we developed into a nation and mm. I believe that you know you can't have a nation without land and this is where our people develop. But 
I do like the our ancestors' view. I think that promotes unity with the First Nations, uh, and and it doesn't take anything away. It, it it's all about you know um, Aslan, Turtle Island, together. Both concepts are beautiful, and we shouldn't erase any one of those concepts. You know, they're both important. Simone. And um, and so you know, but you know there is uh. There is a, a, a big contradiction here in these false U.S. borders. We have a very big common enemy, whether First Nations, whether Chicano Nation, whether the Black Nation. And, you know, um, and that is imperialism. And, you know, you can't be, uh, you know, a revolutionary and not be anti-imperialist. You know, you can't organize, you can't be uh, fighting the oppressor and not be an anti-imperialist because the oppressor is imperialism. In, in, in this case, it's U.S. imperialism, but mm -hmm. you also have British imperialism. You have, you know, all kinds of imperialisms around the world. And, you know, imperialism, um, you know, that's just simply um, the exploitation, um, the exportation of capitalism around the world, mm -hmm. you know, the predatory behavior, uh, sucking the resources from different uh, nations in the third world and um, exporting uh, capitalism. And capitalism is a poison. It poisons us. It um, poisons people around the world. And when, when it's in U.S. borders, it's called capitalism. But once it leaves U.S. borders, uh, these false U.S. borders, then it becomes imperialism. Um, and, you know, it's basically exploiting the resources of people around the world. But let me ask, you know, let me ask you, um, what is imperial? Well, I kind of answered that already. But let me ask why the Brown Berets are anti-imperialist. Sure, sure. Well, in in a, a very broad sense, you know, the imperialism, uh, Western European uh, capitalism has subjugated most of the world. And of course, our our land here, our lands in uh, Turtle Island in Mexico, uh, but also on on a like a, a microcosm, it's the same thing in the in the barrio, in the res, in the hood. It's mm -hmm. an occupying army, which is the same thing. You mm -hmm. know, um, they may use uh, the Zionists in Palestine, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the British in India, and so forth. Uh, they may have their own uh, empire troops. They may have troops of the subjugated people. Mm. Uh, but, you know, what we have here, we have occupying armies of pigs in our cities. And, you know, some of them, some people think, well, if we can get more black and brown pigs, more, more women pigs, we'll <laughs> be better off. And, uh, you know, I mean, a, a woman yeah. pig murdered Demoria Hogg here in Oakland. Yeah. You know, white, white woman, uh, uh, on and on and on. You know, we uh, so many Chicanos are. Uh, yeah. I won't call them Hispanics. Yeah, uh, are, are pigs. So sellouts. many black people are pigs. They're sellouts to other people. Yeah. Uh, so I, I really think this is just an extension. Uh, we, we have to impose uh, the op the same oppressor keeping us down is ultimately the same oppressor keeping down people in uh, in Yemen and mm. so forth and so on. Yes. So. Uh, I think as uh, as Brown Berets, we we have to uh, support and stand with uh, anti-imperialism worldwide. Mm, beautiful, yes, and 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 you know every group around the world I think is 
you know, all these revolutionary groups, whether we're talking about the Venezuelans right now who are struggling to mm -hmm. keep their nation free from America, whether we're talking about the Palestinians, um, you know, all of these peoples and groups are anti-imperialists, you know. The Vietnamese were anti-imperialists. Mm -hmm. The Cubanos are anti-imperialists, you know. They're trying to keep America out of its borders, out of its island. And, and the thing is, um, America is imperialism. It's actually the world's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, most powerful imperialist force at this time. So, you know, these are anti-imperialists around the world. And, you know, and, and I agree that the Brown Berets, you know, they're formed because of the actions of America, mm -hmm. of the United Snakes. And if they're created because the actions of the United Snakes and the United Snakes are imperialists, then um, the Brown Berets are anti-imperialists. I mean, you cannot uh, support imperialism and the united snakes and consider yourself a revolutionary i mean it's just you know oxymoron you cannot do that so this is why um i agree that you know um we are anti-imperialists everybody who struggles every you know every community activist even if they don't know it they're actually struggling against the effects of capitalism therefore they are anti-imperialists as well. Indigenous people, First Nations people that are maintaining their cultura, that are maintaining the calpulis, mm -hmm. that are continuing with this culture, beautiful culture, they are anti-imperialists as well. Mm -hmm. Because imperialism implies that um, you're not going to be independent. You're not going to keep your national culture and your national interests. You're going to succumb and you're going to give them up uh, to the state. You're going to give them up to, in this case, to America. Uh, and you're going to give them up to imperialism. So by people maintaining their cultura, they are practicing anti-imperialism. So it's a beautiful thing. I, I really um, I really love that. And... Um, and so right now we're going to um, we're going to be taking a short break right now. So um, you know I just want to say um, uh, you know um, I'm glad that Al's here, and you know I'm glad that we're able to speak with him, and that um, you know that he's able to come into the studio, and we always welcome him here. You know Free Aslan. One of the things is Free Aslan would defer Free Aslan from any other, um, you know, from many other stations, I should say, is that, um, you know, um, it's here part of the Poor News Network. And, um, you know, and the Poor News Network is, you know, liberated airwaves. And, you know, we don't take grant money from any, um, you know, corporations. So this is a liberated space. And, you know, when that day comes when Aslan is liberated, um, we will have thousands of radio stations like what you're listening to right now, Free Aslan. We'd have thousands of radio stations where people get on here and talk about the interests of our people, 
Uh, they come on here and talk about real struggle that benefits our people. Right they talk about real unity with other oppressed nations, people, you know, and um, and, and, and it, they talk anti-imperialism. A free Aslan is going to continue to talk about anti-imperialism and national liberation because, you know, what happens is when, you know, there's a civil war and a new society is being built, what happens is you continue to have uh, some of the old forces, some of the old forces that support imperialism still embedded and living within the, um, in, in the territory. And, um, you know, then what happens is they um, come out and they organize and they, um, you know, begin to do the work that... Um, you know, that the imperialists uh, want them to do and try to overturn um, the efforts and, you know, um, and all of that. So it's very, um, it's very important that, you know, that we continue um, to keep an eye on the prize and, the, and, the, and the, um, you know, the struggle of what we're going through. We're, we're, you know, it's very important that we... Um, Continue this work. Free Aslan is here. Free Aslan is going to continue to do it, promote these struggles, and, um, you know, and, and to keep the ball rolling, uh, keep us moving on the right direction in the, in the, in the right track. So, you know, it's, 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 it's a beautiful thing to have, um, you know, sisters and brothers come on here and, you know, be able to voice um, things without getting in trouble, without um, being censored um without any of that so you know it, it's very very we, important we got to educate our young people too we got to educate our young people uh we have to to contradict the uh reliance upon a white savior voting for the democrats uh, mm. you know the belief that and that's, that's, that's deep brother yeah yeah oh, especially in the age of trump i mean you I know, know we have i've been calling it tds trump derangement syndrome you oh. know so many young people come out and they see this. And uh, one thing that I really enjoyed seeing in Oakland was, it was with Cat Rooks before Trump assumed office. Mm. But there was a lot of people, a lot of Raza, a lot of young people, a lot of young Muslim people. And uh, she was talking about things that were going on currently. You know, she said, uh, talking about uh, deporting indigenous people, drone attacks, the election guy, all these things. And then she said, and all of this is under Obama. Mm. Trump yeah. has not even assumed office yet, and the young people looked around like, damn. Yeah, you know, and you know, unfortunately, people are still overwhelmed by uh, that that Trump derangement syndrome. Yeah, it's horrible, brother. And and the thing is, you know, it's kind of like the carrot and the stick, where, you know, you have Trump, and so in the eyes of much of our youth, anything looks good. You know, yeah, the Democrats, yeah, yeah. those are our saviors because yeah. we're dealing with Trump, you know. Yeah. So that's the whole, you know, that's the trap that they do, the carrot and the stick. They hit you with the stick, and that carrot looks more inviting, you know. Like, okay, I'll take the carrot. I looked at some figures, and uh, during his first two years, uh, Trump has deported about half as many as Obama did during his first two years. Absolutely. But our people don't hear that. Our people yeah. think, or, or so many of our people think, man, mm. things were so much better. And I, I can't blame them because the media wasn't pounding away at these things. Yeah. Uh, you know, the media um, saw the 
Well, to me, liberalism, neoliberalism, yeah, it's, it's the same ultimate effect as... But the conservatives. Absolutely. And, 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 and Obama actually deported more people than Bush. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, what the yeah, hell? Yeah. I mean, how are, and, and the thing about Bush, I mean, uh, Obama, is that he, um, when you look at the numbers on the people who voted for him, yeah. um, he only won by a small percentage. So if you take away the Rasa vote, yeah, yeah. he wouldn't have got it. So yeah, yeah. he was put in the office um, due to Rasa voting for him, mm -hmm. and everybody, oh, he's gonna help. He's a Democrat. He's you know first black president and all this stuff. Um, but in reality, he actually did worse things than even Bush. Yeah, and Bush yeah. is a Republican. So. The Democrat, Republican, it's the same wings from the same bird. It's just, you know, the two arms of the state, and, um, you know, we don't need none of that. You know, we want liberation. We want to free our people, and the Democrats and the Republicans are not going to free Aslan. You know, not, 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 <laughs> they nothing. are not going to free Aslan. So, no, we, we want something better than that, something deeper we want something that includes all people and all rights, human rights, real human rights, you know, right to education, to health care. Those are human rights. We should have those coming for free, you know, and um, there's enough resources here that we can have those for free. Yeah, if it wasn't for the imperialists starting all these wars and taking all the money to spend mm -hmm. it on other things, you know. Yeah. But um, let me just get back to this interview, to the question here. Um, and once again, for the viewer, the listeners that just came on, this is KEXU 96.1 FM, um, JV, and you're listening to Free Aslan. And, um, you know, um, one of the things that I wanted to talk about was, um, you know, um, I wanted to ask a quick question. Um, what is the National Liberation Movement? Um, why is the National Liberation Movement the most important struggle at this stage for the Chicano Nation? And after this, we're going to be playing a, uh, after this question, we're going to be playing a song. So um, if you could just... I, I think the most important thing is because we, we see ourselves as a nation, right? And, and I, I would say like, um, like, like the, a Cherokee Nation, for example, it's, it's not a perfect analogy. They're all in, they're enrolled tribal members, but uh, some are full blood. Some have only uh, a little bit of native blood. Uh, they're not all there in, in Tahlequah, Oklahoma. They're, they're nationwide. Yeah. And same as Chicanos here, too. So, but in a sense, we do move as a nation. So I think national liberation for Chicanos is Chicanos having our own self-determination mm. within Turtle Island slash Aslan. Mm, beautiful. And that self-determination will reach all the way, not just building parks and museums and schools, all the way up to having a standing army, having our own government, and having everything uh, under that. We want our own. We want independence. But let me just, we're going to go into a song very quickly. Um, this is something that Al requested, <laughs> you know, one of his one of his favorites. So let's play it. And this is uh, "Sitting in the Park" from Billy Stewart. So kick on back, and we'll be back in a minute.
KEXU 96.1 FM and Pole People's Revolutionary Radio. I'm JV and you're listening to Free Aslan. And that was like like being back home. Just uh, the old days, East Los Angeles, Marrano Beach. I don't know if people remember that, but that was down by the, uh, off of the Pomona Freeway. Wow. Is that where you, you grew up in East LA? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and what part of East LA was that? Little Valley was oh, where Little I Valley. was from. Yeah, 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 L- yeah. LV, and then uh, then we we kind of moved around El Monte, uh, San, Gra- San Gabriel, Lomas, uh, South San Gabriel, um, Monterey Park, wow, all, all over, over huh? all around. Yeah. Wow, and and yeah, and it, it just it it must be um, beautiful when you go back to visit. Yeah, and you still. S- and you still see, um, you know, everything um, almost the same as when it's, you know, when you left. I mean, the yeah. the youth survival groups are, are still there. They're just Young still, still as there. strong as ever. I mean, it's just, you know, even when I go to my neighborhood I grew up in, it just amazes me that no matter how much repression people face yeah. by the pigs, 
yeah. that you know um, people continue to exist and struggle and to survive. You know, we're resilient. We're you know, very we, resilient. We've, we've survived 520 years and we're still here. Of colonization. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. Let, let, let me uh, let me hit you with another question. We're, we're running out of time now. We got about 10 more minutes. So. What are some projects that the Oakland Brown Berets are currently involved with? Well, we're uh, we're a new group. Like I was saying, we're we're taking on a few things. Uh, the newer Berets are, are looking into things such as uh, the five G cellular networks. They're going to be deployed everywhere, and those are supposedly uh, cancer-causing things. They're looking wow. into that, yeah. And what are they exactly? Boxes or uh, like satellite boxes? They're or? small boxes that, that uh, like the ones here, you know, you sometimes see them like they're like a tree, you know, they're disguised as a tree. Wow. Uh, yeah, you, you'll see them like a lot off of the freeway. So it looks like a tree, but the, uh, the, the branches are too even and it's a cell tower. Wow. Other oh, so they're basically miniature cell towers. Yeah. but In the city. Yeah, but with this 5G thing, it's going to be apparently like uh, every city block or a couple every city block. And from oh, what they've wow. been telling me, this is some bad shit. So yeah. Um, that that's one thing they're look they're looking into. We're wow. looking into doing some uh, cleaning, helping just going around East Oakland. Uh, uh, there's some some kind of city branch that uh, gives you the tongs, trash bags, and so forth, and mm -hmm. go and and have people see us. We'll we'll do doing some of the dirty work, cleaning mm -hmm. things, trying to show some. Uh, support for the community. We do a lot of security. We uh, help with security for uh, MLK Day, for instance. Uh, the the women's march in the it was Native Women's March up mm. in Sacramento. Uh, Oscar Grant Vigil providing security and so forth. So uh, we've. We're, we're branching out into a lot of things, uh, working mm. towards Black Brown Unity too. Mm and uh, working with Native people. So we've, we've got a, a lot of good things coming up. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. It's beautiful, yeah. And, and, you know, everywhere there's a beret unit, mm -hmm. um, you're going to find these projects going on, the mm -hmm. same projects, yeah. Yeah. building unity, cleaning up the community. Feed people. Um, feed people, doing security, mm -hmm. serving the people. That's it, And that's the, the key, serving the people. And that's what we do. That's, that's, that's what it's all about, uh, serving the people. Because if we don't serve the people, nobody's going to serve the people. Nobody. The state, you know, the United Snakes, yeah, yeah. sure in the hell ain't going to serve the people. You know, they're going to they're gonna serve the people poison. They're going to serve the people <laughs> grief and oppression but they are not going to serve the people with justice and this is what we do we serve the people with justice yeah. and dignity and um and so i love it I, I love all of that and uh let me get another question in um we we have we're running out of time but let me get um for those who study and this is just a question i wanted to hear you know there's so much literature out there for for those who study um i wanted to ask you you know, um, what are the top five books you would recommend to Chicano listeners? You know, well, five top. Wow. That, that, there, and there's, there's so a, many. I know it's so many. There's so many. Uh, I, uh, the book uh, Borderlands La Frontera by uh, 
Gloria Anzaldoa. Anzaldoa. Uh, that that yeah. was a great book. Yeah. Uh, there's one I'm trying to... Uh, I, actually, I just ordered uh, Pedagogy of the Oppressed by uh, Paulo Freire Lopez. Yeah, yeah I yeah. haven't read that Pedagogy one. Pedagogy of the Oppressed, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's a beautiful theory he has of um, transforming the, the way of teaching, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and you know, because in Western society and really in imperialist colonial yeah. colonized society the teacher is almost like a god yeah, right yeah and you know speaks down and it's all a form of memorization mm-hmm. and that's it and then he came out with this concept of reversing it where the students like a teacher too and then mm-hmm. you know doing a different um and it's a be- it is a beautiful book i would agree with you that yeah. it's yeah there's one just coming out by gerald horn who is a, a scholar and he he I can't remember the title. I, I ordered the book, uh, but it's dealing with how uh, colonization and slavery, uh, like uh, uh, the extermination of indigenous people, was to have slavery yeah. here in the U.S. and, and, and in Mexico, también, mm-hmm. also. And it was it was something which uh, you know the, the U.S. never um, n- never was started for freedom. The, the British uh, took a chunk. The, the eastern states of the United States, mm. and they actually didn't want to go any further. Uh, not that they were suddenly humanitarian, but their troops, they could only hold, uh, you know, fighting native, native people, they, they couldn't take on any more. And, uh, of course, the Americans wanted more, more slave land, mm. you know. And when, when uh, they sp- tried to spread to, to Tejas, for instance, uh, that was entirely to do slavery. You know, that it wasn't like uh, what the Alamo. Alamo, there was the Battle of the Alamo. It was uh, slavery forces in the United States versus anti-slavery forces of Mexico. So, you know, mm. people don't realize uh, uh, that so-called freedom of the, of the Alamo was actually to extend slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there's some other things too. There was that book that you gave to uh, Maritza uh, when we were at the uh, MLK Day. It was a small book. Oh, Chicano Power and the Struggle for Aslan. That was it. Oh yeah. wow! It's being passed around. It hasn't come to me yet, but good, yeah, I look forward good. to reading that. Oh, I can't wait, and I can't wait to discuss it with you. That's a yeah, very yeah, yeah. And I'll say it again: it's Chicano Power and the Struggle for Aslan. It's a very powerful book written, um, you know, by prisoners in California. And, um, you know, I um, contributed some artwork to it. And it's a very, very powerful book. Um, and it tackles everything that you can think of, uh, gender struggles, class struggles, national struggles. It tackles, um, you know, um, everything you can think of. It's a very beautiful book. But let me, let me just... Uh, you know, um, let me ask you because we're we got like three more minutes. What are your last words to the Chicano Nation? You know, we've been struggling, uh, fighting colonization for many years. We we continue to struggle. We continue to fight. Our, our spirit is never going to die. Um, uh, you know, in the words of of Che Guevara, the true revolutionary is guided by love of his people. So I, I just like to end with a quote, Siempre hasta la victoria. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Siempre. We will, we're going to win. And, and Yes, we will. Yes, we will. And Che Guevara was a very, very powerful 
revolutionary spirit. And 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 you know, I would just say, you know, lastly that you know, um, on Saturday the twentieth, April twentieth, at the San Jose Peace and Justice Center, there's a new group that um, you know that I work with, the Chicano Mexicano Resistance. Uh, is going to be having a discussion group there at 1 p.m. And um, if you could come in and, uh, you know, come and check it out. And, you know, and, and it's going to be a very beautiful, enlightening, educational event. And we're going to be talking about the murals, you know, in, in Sanjo, the murals. They're whitewashing them, and they're really whitewashing our culture. And when they take down the murals, it's more than just a store owner wants to pretty up the building. It's all about, re, re, you know, erasing our culture. Yeah. When they re, re, re erase our culture of a people, they erase, they're erasing uh, the people's history and the people's presence. And we don't want to, uh, we don't want to let that happen. We want to make sure that, um, you know, that that. Uh, you know that we struggle against that and that we continue to um you know to fight and organize and mobilize uh our people and so we're coming up uh we got about a minute left and i just want to thank al once more um you know thank you for coming to free aslan brother a you know it's, it's been a pleasure um you know we learned the listeners learn a lot from you and we continue to um uh, work together, learn together, and to struggle together, brother. Orale. And uh, and that will be it. Um, and today's show, the, uh, this is uh, JV, and you're listening to Free Aslan on KEXU 96.1. And uh, to all the listeners, I say continue to struggle, my beautiful brown sisters and brothers throughout Aslan. And this is your radio show, and uh, you all have a good night.